Thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Naz Podcast. As we get to Christmas, we're, here we are. It's the day. Uh, I'll take one last shot at, at Christmas. We've been talking through this season of Advent leading up to, to this day. We've been anticipating the birth of the Christ child and remembering that the birth of the Christ child was the first coming of Jesus, and we look forward to the second coming of Jesus. And Advent reminds us of, of this waiting that we, we currently experience, this waiting for God to finish the work that he began in Jesus when, when Jesus was first born in, in Bethlehem. And we, uh, you know, I'm a very flexible person. I'm very, I'm reasonable. Uh, I, uh, adaptability is one of my strengths, according to Gallup Strength Finders. I am, I'm a very reasonable person, but I also have a strength that is belief. And another of my Gallup strengths is belief. And I have found that there are moments, moments where my belief uh, really, really stretches my ability to be flexible and adaptable. And so uh, an example of this will play well with today's crowd is, I think you ought to have church on Christmas Sunday. And so I'm, you know, I have dear friends who are in ministry who have closed the doors of their church on, on this day, and if I were a different person, I would probably say, I'd probably call them up and, and razz them a little bit. But I couldn't do it with, like, joy in my heart because, honestly, in my heart, it pains me to think that, that a church would close its door on Christmas. And so this is an area where, like, my... My belief, my strong, strong feelings about certain things comes into, into pretty, pretty hard tension with my flexibility. Uh, another, another area of those, I bring, I bring all of that up because uh, a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night study, Pastor Becca made the mistake of asking the question, what is your favorite holiday? And uh, there were a lot of people who said, Christmas, of course, it's our favorite holiday. And I, I had to remind everybody that as believers, there is one correct answer. There's one correct answer as believers, and that's Easter, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and so, I, now, I don't, I don't bring that up on the 25th of December to besmirch Christmas in any way. Uh, I'm, I'm not planning on being Scrooge. And the fact that I'm right, and all of the Christmas is my favorite, the holiday people are wrong, that's only a side tangential benefit to bringing it up again. Um, the reason I bring it up today is to reinforce a point that was eloquently made on the Christmas side of things. And, and that is that without Christmas, there is no Easter. And so Christmas, Christmas is an, an important day for us. It's, a, it's an, important, an important holiday. And honestly, I love Christmas. I love Christmas. I, I love the whole season. And I, I Greg McCracken and I have been arguing this year about when it is appropriate to begin Christmas, because just so you know where I land on, land on this issue, on the way home from our harvest heyday, as our family was, was walking back to the house, I played Melikaliki Mucka on my phone, because as soon as Halloween is over, Christmas begins. And so, thank you, and, and this is another one that I'm right on, so you can boo all you want. <laughs> 
Christmas, though, it has an entire culture, right? When we think about what a culture is, Christmas has it all. It has its own language, its own, its own food, it has its own art and music. Christmas is, is an all-encompassing uh, experience. It is, it is uh, unlike any other holiday. And as we have been keying in on this day for the past two months plus, and, and the entire culture surrounding this day, it's, it's easy to forget about the importance and the full meaning of Christmas. And I don't even mean uh, we, we make it more consumeristic and we forget to focus on Jesus, because even if the manger scene is front and center, even if we're, we're thinking about uh, all, of, all of the important thing about Jesus coming to earth and Emmanuel, God with us, it can still be easy to lose sight of what a radical message Christmas Day brings to us. It isn't just about the tranquil scenes of shepherds worshiping the Christ child in his bed of fluffy hay. It is, it is, uh, it is a day that Jesus, God began his work. God, God planted his flag on the earth on Christmas Day. And, and nowhere do we see that more clearly in Scripture than in Mary's reaction to being chosen and to being, being the one who would carry Christ into the world. And so I'm going to read a long passage from Luke chapter 1 this morning. I'm going to read kind of all of Mary's, Mary's story. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and I'm going to read through 56. So I hope you'll, I hope you'll follow along. Bear with me. This is a long passage, but it's an important one. Luke tells us in Luke 1, 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to a town where Zechariah lived. By the way, Galilee to Judea, that's not like, a, that's a more than than two or three or four day journey even. Uh, one book I, I've read recently said it was probably a nine day journey from, from Nazareth to, to Galilee, where, where Elizabeth was. Uh, so it's not just a hurry and visit, but Luke says, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea 
to a town where Zechariah lived, she entered into the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Verse 46, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and went back to her own home. This story is, is shocking. The story of Mary, Mary turning up pregnant is, is really quite shocking. We looked at it last week from, from Matthew's gospel, from the perspective of Joseph. This week we come to it from Mary's perspective. A young girl, girls were, were typically married in their early teen years, and so Mary was betrothed. She was engaged to be married to Joseph. She was all of the preparations were being made. And as I said last year, it, it wasn't just a, a simple, it wasn't an engagement like we think of engagements, like saying, yes, I am going to marry you. It is almost as if the, the marriage had happened, it just wasn't fully finished. The, the marriage had started, the, the couple was considered committed to one another, the husband was finishing up details, preparing to bring his bride home, uh, to the house that he was preparing. And in this period of time, while they're waiting, while, while Joseph is, is getting the house ready to receive his young bride, she is visited by an angel. Uh, it's, it's a messenger angel, Gabriel. And, and uh, Mary, Mary was just going about her business, Right? Mary, Mary was not doing anything extraordinary. She, she wasn't looking for anything like this to happen. She just, she was going about her daily business. The traditional story of Mary being visited by Gabriel is that she was out drawing water from a spring in Nazareth. She was just doing her daily chores. And as she was just doing her daily chores, there she receives this message, this shocking message this message that throws into doubt so many things about her engagement and her marriage to Joseph. So many things about how, how she fits into the rest of her own life. If, if God is going to disrupt things so dramatically, how does she even continue on? Who does she talk to? How, how does she tell people what has happened to her? What is she going to say to Joseph? And as we read Luke's account, 
Mary doesn't raise objections. She's, she's curious. She says, I'm a virgin. How can this happen? But she, she simply receives the message from the angel with, with, may it be so. May it be. May everything you've said about me be, be uh, as you've said. But the, the angel's message, when, when we read the angel's words, we realize that it's not, it's not just the story of the baby that the angel brings. When, when the angel announces this to, to Mary, she talks about Jesus in a way that he, he is not just a baby to be born to a woman who, who hasn't yet been with a man. He, he is not just, uh, it's not just a miraculous conception. It is, it is miraculous what this child is going to become. As we read the, the words of Gabriel in verses 32 and 33, he says, the Lord will give him, the Mary's son, the throne of his ancestor David, he, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. See, Mary understood what this meant right from the very beginning. Mary understood that Jesus was coming to be the long-awaited Messiah. The, the passages from the Old Testament that point to, to the coming king all come to mind over Christmas. We, we remember the words that, that the prophet spoke promising uh, a Messiah who would free Israel. And the language in, in the angels, uh, the, the language that the angel announced to Mary, it was not lost on, on Mary. It was revolutionary language. And so Israel was, was in that period of time of being occupied by Rome, and God had made it clear that his people would not be allowed to remain subject to Rome forever. Thank you. <laughs> God had, had made it clear that his people would one day share their faith with all people of the world. That one day, what God was, was doing among Israel was going to be shared. God had for his people a message that would be shared with the whole world. And this is especially evidence that, that Mary understood this in the last few words of her song. If we look at the last few words of Mary's song, we, we notice that uh, she, she understands the place of Jesus. She understands the place of Jesus, of taking the message from, from first to, to the people of Israel, beyond that, to, to a different type of kingdom than the people could have ever, ever understood and not only was Jesus to be a king, but she understood that perhaps his kingdom wouldn't look like what everybody expected. It wouldn't look as like business as usual, and the wealthy getting wealthier, and the powerful becoming more powerful. She saw princes being brought down from their thrones. She saw the humble being exalted. She saw hungry, the hungry being filled, the rich being sent away empty-handed. She saw help coming for Israel. And Jesus taught throughout his ministry that his kingdom was not exactly what people might expect from a king. Jesus began his ministry uh, with the, the words of the Sermon on the Mount. The, the, those earliest moments of his public ministry, he talked about how blessing would look different in his kingdom. 
that his kingdom would be backwards and, and the poor in spirit and those who mourn and those who are humble, those who are merciful, those who work for peace, those were the ones who would be blessed in Jesus's kingdom. It was not what the people expected. It was not what people had in mind when they thought about a Messiah coming for Israel. It, it never turned into what people expected. As Jesus went through his ministry, his followers began to ask him, so are you going to start your war with Rome now? His followers would ask him things like, so when, when you finally defeat Rome and you're sitting on a throne, can I sit at your right hand in that throne that's just a little bit lower than yours? And maybe my brother, could he sit in the next one on your left hand? It's maybe just a little bit lower than mine. His followers never got it. They never understood. And, and in a blow to Jesus' followers who were still waiting for him to overthrow Rome, uh, his final victory was won as he was crucified. And, and it, it wasn't until he rose again, until the Holy Spirit was given to the church that his followers really understood what Jesus had been teaching. It wasn't until those last, until after his, his time on earth had ended, and the waiting had begun for him to come again, that Jesus' followers really took note, put together all of the pieces of what Jesus had been saying in his ministry, that his kingdom wasn't going to be for the powerful. It wasn't going to make the rich richer. It was about the lowly being lifted up, the hungry filled, the naked clothed, the sick taken care of. It was about thrones being abdicated so Jesus could occupy them. And so we see the true greatness of Christmas in, in this strange, simple plan of God's. That when he came to conquer the earth, he didn't come with a mighty army. He came as a baby. It, it would be easy to miss the reality of Christmas for all of the presents and for, for the, the glory of angels singing. It'd be, it'd, be able, it'd be easy as, as we're enjoying our favorite Christmas treats this, this week to, to miss the true meaning of Christmas. The true, true meaning of Christmas is found here in Luke chapter 1 as two pregnant women, miraculously pregnant, poor women, gather together and sing songs about overthrowing governments. This is the true meaning of Christmas, and that's a holiday that could become my favorite. If that's not the true meaning of Christmas, at least we take courage in this, that Christmas is a time when we remember that God's work, it often looks smaller and less significant than what we had hoped. That when God begins to work, it isn't with mighty splashes in the sky, but it's a baby born to a poor family traveling and in the worst conditions possible when it seems the darkest when we're to the end of our ropes that's when god can finally get our attention and when his plan finally starts to unfold it's when death appears to have won that god says now my plan is really coming together and so this Christmas, we, we celebrate the backward way that God conquers. Not with a mighty army, but with a baby. Never in the ways we expect, but through the least probable means. 
I don't know this morning how you're feeling about Christmas. I hope you find Christmas with joy and anticipation, with peace. But I would imagine that some people kind of feel like they would like a Christmas miracle. Uh, like things are not as put together as you had hoped. Like while you're hearing about peace on earth and goodwill to men, it kind of rings hollow. And so today, today is, is your day. Today is the day that we remember that Jesus' work comes not with a mighty army, but with a tiny baby. Today's the day that we remember that Jesus' kingdom blesses those who recognize their need. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for the message of Christmas, for the reminder that you have started your work on this earth through a baby. You, you started your work not, <laughs> not conquering like, like your people might have expected or might have wanted. But you started, Lord, with, with Mary, with a woman we would look at, we would say a girl. Not yet married, going about her daily business, not expecting that if you were to do anything great, it would ever happen to her. But Lord, she believed. And so, Lord, on this Christmas day, we look at the areas in our world that need your work. We confess that we are looking for you to move with a conquering army. We confess that we are often dissatisfied if a grand miracle doesn't occur immediately. But Lord, we pray that you would remind us of the simple, innocuous ways that your work begins the ways that are missed by most of the world, the ways that other people could never imagine. And Lord, we trust in our lives, in the areas where we need your work, that you are moving, that you continue to be Emmanuel, God with us. You continue, God, to be faithful always, you continue to speak even when our ears can't hear. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us incredible hope this Christmas day. To know that you are moving. To know that you are active. To know that even, even Lord, when, when we can't see it, we know, God, that you have not forsaken us. You have not abandoned us. You are always God with us. And so we rejoice and thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, who we celebrate today, amen.